0: sing sing to the lord hallelujah That's exactly what we did by the way when uh, Hope Trending came to an end Saturday night The last number 10 live telecast to the nation to the continent over The hope the live streaming on hopetrending.org over 10 in the tank ready to now go forever until Jesus comes so once... Uh, we had a full house. Once, once everybody left, we got the 150 volunteers to come and f- crowd that Howard Performing Arts Center platform. And you know what we did? We sang unto the Lord. We sang the doxology. You know why we sang the doxology? Because God did a marvelous and wonderful work in our midst, and we knew we had just experienced a God moment in time. This was not about, this is not about you and me. This was a God moment in time. And I'm so proud. We had 150-plus volunteers. I'm so proud of our young techie team, because they were all young, that put the backdrop, the set... You have not seen it yet? Don't tell me you haven't seen it. They put the backdrop set, put the program together. I had my assigned role. That was it. God did a marvelous work. And if you haven't seen it, hopetrending.org. Come on, Hopetrending.org. HopeTrending.org. The life of Hope Trending is only now beginning. This thing has gone to the world until the Lord returns. And we're very proud and grateful for what God produced. You look at those ten. You'll be as proud of God as I am today for what God did. Amen. In fact, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sing the doxology right now. Praise God from whom all blessings that was you you were in our midst same you same midst right now take these moments that are left we are at a critical moment in the history of this nation and this planet how should we engage society now what should we be doing make it clear through ancient scripture we pray in Christ's name Amen. Anybody know where this country is headed? The following people listed in alphabetical order. Please catch that. Listed in alphabetical order. There's some sensitivities here. The following people listed in alphabetical order do not know. Hillary Clinton. Gary Johnson. Jill Stein. Donald Trump. There is only one being alive who knows where we're headed. Don't you wish you knew the mind of God? Oh, my. What He knows. What He knows at this very second in time. I read a very provocative piece uh, this summer in Liberty Magazine entitled, Slouching Toward Democratic Totalitarianism. It's a piece written by Elijah Mvundra. Fascinating. Fascinating. He looks at the 20s and 30s in Europe, the rise of fascism, the rise of Nazism. These would be totalitarian, tyrannical regimes, and he suggests we are at the time again. Astounding. His words on the screen. Primal passions... Fear, egoism, anger and hatred, the kind that Mussolini, Mussolini and Hitler exploited and mobilized, are once again potent factors in the politics of Western democracies. Driving these passions is the same disillusionment with liberal democracy. I know this feels like a civics class, but it better be. You better be awake to what's happening. I repeat that. Driving these passions is the same disillusionment with liberal democracy, the same gnawing sense of overwhelming crisis that things are falling apart and the center cannot hold. The parallels with Europe in the 1920s are ominously striking, end quote. And then he notes some of the brightest thinkers and intellectuals of the time who were totally caught, flat-footed, had no clue. And it makes me wonder how many of our leaders today on this planet have no clue. What's next? Elijah's words back on the screen. Now with much greater detail. This is rather prescient in my humble opinion. Not only do we today have a thoroughly interconnected and interdependent global economy. Check, check, check. We know that's true. Not only do we have social media that connects people globally, that allows them to speak with one voice. Let me just tell you this about Hope Trending. There are two reports in today's bulletin. They'll still be in the bulletin when the service is over, so hold it. There are two reports. Read them both. 870-plus thousand, and, and it's rising as we speak, visits to Facebook Live and Hope Trending. 870,000-plus. We're going to hit a million. It's social media today. First time in history the church has social media and did what you did. Elijah's right. Social media connects people globally, which allows them to speak with one voice. Now imagine a catastrophic global economic collapse. A lot of doom and gloom talking heads out there, speaking of that. Against a background... Oh, here's the key. Against a background of social unrest, radical jihadists... Think of the Orlando nightclub that was shot up in the name of a religion... Jihadist and anarchist violence. Think also of hordes of extremists inflaming passions and speeches. Think also of blogs or tweets of demagogues going viral, and new totalitarianisms become conceivable. As a matter of fact, democracy has been in reach worldwide. This drift toward authoritarianism brings to mind Christ's words, if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? End quote. For a few moments, I invite you please to reflect with me on three critical, divine, biblical premises that must guide our thinking as believers within the community of the United States. And by the way, let me disabuse you of the notion that this sermon is only for those who who, uh, live in America. Of course, that's all of us, but only those who belong to America. No, 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 no. This is for every nation on earth. Andrews University, we saw the flags flying over our president's inauguration this last week. Beautiful scene, beautiful service. And we're almost 100 nations here at Andrews University, so let's, let's, let's keep that in mind. There will be some specific, you'll see it as we come to it, there will be some specific realities that only America understands. We'll get to that. I want you to take your study guide out, and let's go. Three premises. Three premises. Pull your study guide out. Let's go. Jot them down. Ushers, thank you for making sure everybody here has a study guide. Thank you, friendly ushers. There you are. Put your hand up. If you didn't get the study guide, you will want the study guide. Trust me. You will want the study guide. In the back, okay, in the balcony, we'll make sure you get it. Those of you who are watching right now, we're delighted to have you. This is a significant time. In just a few days, this nation goes to the ballot box. What happened in America? Before you vote, we are having these quiet moments together. This is continuing our little series, hashtag R-X-F-4-N-O-W, tangentially, but it'll deal with part of it, as you'll see in a moment. You go to our website, you'll see uh, the title of this teaching, If Righteousness Exalts a Nation. Pastor Jose just led us in that. If Righteousness Exalts a Nation, what's going to happen to the USA? Well, let's find out. Take your study guide, please. Three premises. Jot them down. Here comes premise number one. Premise number one, God is in control. He rules. Our God is an awesome God, as we just sang a moment ago. He rules heaven and earth. Amen. God rules. Go to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Daniel, chapter 2. Let's go. Daniel, chapter 2, verse 1. I'm in the New International Version. You didn't bring a Bible, pull the Pew Bible out in front of you. It's page 596. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, by the way, hit the pause button. We're talking rank pagan, all right? Rank pagan monarch. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. You know the story. The king calls his wise men and astrologers in. Hey, guys, I had a dream. Tell me it. We can't, king. Too bad you're dead. Why? Because he knew them, they'd been playing a charade this whole time. This is just a... <laughs> Daniel and his young companions are also counselors to the king, but they were not there when he summoned them in. Daniel here's about, rushes into the, to the king's uh, attendant. Time out, please. Give me time. Give me time. We got to pray. Daniel and his three buddies, Hebrew buddies, they pray all night. All night they pray. And by the way, we're having a prayer meeting this Wednesday night. I'll say more about it in a moment. A prayer meeting for the United States and every nation on this planet. It's time to pray. Trust me. They had a prayer meeting all night, and what's so astounding, God not only answered their prayers, he gave Daniel the very dream and the interpretation that goes with the dream that the king had. Daniel breaks into song when he gets that word from God. Pick it up in verse 19. Daniel 2, verse 19, During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven, and he said, verse 20, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Verse 22, He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with Him. That is a power-packed Word of praise because of what it reveals about God. You want to know why? Premise number one is true. God is in control and He reigns. There are four portraits. I want you to jot them down here. There are four portrayals of God in the verses we just read. Jot them down. Portrayal of God, number one. He is the ultimate timekeeper. What did He just say? He changes ten seasons. I love the New Living. He determines the course of world events. In other words, God is not an absentee landlord. God is writing Earth's history in advance. Not making the decisions, but He's making the observations. He's writing our calendar in advance. Desire of Ages. I like this line. But like the stars in the vast circuit of their appointed path, God's purposes know no haste and no delay. Listen to me, my friend. Your life right now feels like a twisted pretzel. you, you You are torn with anxiety. You are twisted with fear. You have no idea what's coming ahead. I need you to take a deep breath right now. Take a deep breath and remind yourself there is a God who is in control, and He rules. He rules. You can trust Him. He's not too early. I love that. He's not too late. No haste, no delay. He's always on time for you. He rules. You may trust Him. Even in the U.S. of A., He rules, by the way. All right, portrayal number two. Portrayal number one was this God who is the ultimate timekeeper. Here comes the God who is the ultimate kingmaker. We just read that, didn't we? He takes down kings, deposes kings, and raises others up. He's the ultimate kingmaker. We have nothing to fear for the upcoming election. Nothing to fear. God gets the last word. You may vote the way you wish. He gets the last word. Vote any way you wish. He'll get the last word. It won't be you. It'll be he. Is that clear? You have nothing to fear for the, for the impending election. And by the way, may I just remind you, God hangs around some very surprising kinds of people, not the kind of people you and I would hang with. I mean, you want to talk about Nebuchadnezzar? Let's not. Three, four portrayals, four portrayals. We'll get to Nebuchadnezzar in just a moment. Portrayal number one, the ultimate timekeeper. Portrayal number two, the ultimate kingmaker. Here comes portrayal number three. He's the ultimate mystery solver. I love that in verse verse 22. He he reveals deep and hidden things. That's why I love this promise. I've been claiming this promise since this summer. Jeremiah 33, 3. I've claimed it for a long time, but I, I particularly hang on to these words of God. Call on me, and I will show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I can tell you, I'm not going to show you everything you want to know, but I promise to show you what you need to know. You call on me. You ask me. You trust me. Four portrayals of God in this power-packed bit of praise from Daniel. Number one, he's the ultimate, he's the ultimate timekeeper. Number two, he's the ultimate kingmaker. Number three, he's the ultimate mystery solver. Number four, jot it down, he's the ultimate light shiner. hmm I find great comfort in verse 22. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with Him. You know who they're speaking about when they're singing that praise? They're speaking about the one who will come to earth and eventually say, I am the light of the world. They're speaking of Jesus. He is the ultimate light shiner. We have nothing to fear. What's happening happening with these confederacies? What's happening with the cabals? What's happening in secret chambers? We have no idea. But there's somebody who's there with him, writing it all down. Check, check me. Check, check me. Check, check me. He never loses. He can't lose. It can look like losing to you and me. Oh, look what has happened to America, and God is saying, are you kidding? Do you understand what I'm about to do? Calvary is the greatest defeat in the history of the universe, we thought. Seventy-two hours later, it turns out to be the most spectacular triumph in the history of time. Come on. He never loses. He can't lose. How can you lose when you win? You can't lose. Wow. The ultimate light shiner. Reminds me of these words of Ellen White. Put them on the screen for you. Those who place themselves under God's control to be led and guided by Him will catch the steady trend of events ordained by Him to take place... I know what lies in the darkness. You can trust me. Isn't this something? All of that and that little bit of praise that Daniel lifts up in gratitude to God. Four portrayals of God that prove true the premise. God is in control. He rules. Yeah, but Dwight, come on. Time out, please. How does this possibly inform the upcoming election in just a few days? (laughs) Well, you need to ask God that. But here's what I can tell you. God will put the individual in office who will advance His ultimate plan and will. Trust me, He will. And quite frankly, which one of the major candidates would fit most neatly and nicely into God's strategic master plan is beyond our ability to discern. It is reported that one candidate consults with the spirit of Eleanor Roosevelt... I heard the candidate's spouse say so himself. It is reported that both candidates play fast and loose with the truth and integrity and money, personal and public. It is reported that one candidate has embraced a particularly immoral lifestyle to the place Christianity today in a scathing editorial has already rendered judgment on what it calls one candidate's idolatry that defines that candidate's life. Both candidates... Are significantly flawed enough, it is reported, that the public has already rendered unusually high, unfavorable ratings for them both. Are we surprised? Apparently, God is not surprised. He has on His hands with Nebuchadnezzar the world's greatest narcissist, egoist, an abuser, and political hack. And God looks at that pagan king and he says, you know what, Gabriel? I think I can do business with this guy. And spends the rest of Nebuchadnezzar's life trying to save Nebuchadnezzar. Don't you ever write anybody off. (laughs) Our little sensibilities that are offended. God says, not a problem for me. By the way, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Nineveh, nameless as he is, with a bloody reputation, God says, let me get a hold of that king, Jonah, vagabond preacher boy. Go preach in that city. I'm going for the king. He gets the king, and everybody down from the king to the slave in the stall repents, and we have citywide revival. God can revive any nation when He wants if there's a willing heart, and He found it at the top. You never would have picked the king of Nineveh, nor would I. You know what? Perhaps you and I are a bit too quick for God's liking when it comes to judging the moral worth of those He has to deal with. Since you don't have to deal with them, why don't you just lay off? Judge not that you be not judged. Four candidates? Two candidates? Judge not that you be not judged. Pharaoh, one. I can do business with him, with Joseph. Pharaoh, two. Bad. Can't do business with him. Pharaoh 3 with Josiah, Pharaoh Necho, I can do business with him. Two out of three is not bad for pharaohs. And then there's Cyrus, and then there's Darius, and then there's Xerxes, and then there's Artaxerxes, and then along comes Tiberius. I can do business with him. God will do the ultimate choosing in the end. Will he not? Tell me. Will he not? Come on. I need to know you're here. Can he not do the ultimate choosing in the end? Yes or no? Come on, He can. Wake up. We got an election coming. (laughs) Premise number two. God's purpose in earth politics is always to display His character as revealed in His people who carry out His mission. That's a mouthful right there, but there's a lot in that. In other words, God longs for the rulers of the world to know Him. Don't you think He loves them? Or are you the only privileged one? Come on. He loves us as if there were nobody else on the planet except that one candidate. <laughs> that explains, by the way, the life, the life stories of Daniel and Esther, the three friends of Daniel, by the way, Joseph and Paul, all friends of God, that God maneuvered to get them in front of a leader He wanted to save. That's what He does for His living, saving people. That's all He does for a living, saving people. There's no more effective ambassador for God, by the way. No more effective ambassador for God than a personal friend of His. I mean, if we just limit ourselves to the story in Daniel, it's all there. Daniel chapter 2. What's Nebuchadnezzar do at the end of that? Whoa! There is a God in this universe who knows the future. Hallelujah. It's Daniel's God. What's happening in Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar? Whoa! There is a God in this universe who stands by His men, and they're in the fire, and He delivers them. Oh world, take a look at that God. What's happening in Daniel chapter 4? Whoa, there is no God in the universe, and I'm the greatest. God says, fine, I'll give you seven years of insanity. I'll take you out of office because I'm going to get you. And when it's over, the end of Daniel 4, all the verses are all in your study guide. And when it's over, the end of Daniel 4, there is a God in the universe, and He is my God. Amen. Wow! Took all of that to just get one narcissist on his side. My. Oh, and by the way, Daniel in the lion's den. I'm dealing with a new empire, am I? I want Darius as well. Got him. There is a God that Daniel serves. Let all the empire worship him. Come on. God knows what he's doing. He hasn't been caught by surprise. He wasn't sleeping. Something's happening. We're watching history in advance. That's what's happening. So, whatever the outcome of this rough-and-tumble election, the good news is God will be maneuvering behind the scenes, and one day He may get you in front of that leader. You say, not me, not in my homeland. Yes, you in your homeland or this land. Premise number 3, last one. Premise number 3, God expects political leaders, no matter their religious persuasion or lack thereof, to abide by the principles of righteousness. Write that down. Righteousness. What's righteousness mean? It means right doing. This little hashtag RXF4NOW, I'll just tell you the secret. The R certainly stands for righteousness. In case you haven't been able to rest, we'll get back to it next week. Righteousness. Proverbs fourteen thirty four. Jose read it just a moment ago. Righteousness, right doing, exalts a nation, but sin that would be wrongdoing condemns any people. That's true for America, by the way. Proverbs 16, verse 12. Kings detest wrongdoing for a throne, and administration is established through righteousness, through right-doing. You, you want a good administration? It will do right. It will do right. Proverbs 20, verse 28. Love, chesed. That's the covenant love, the deepest love in the Hebrew. Chesed, love and faithfulness, keep a, a ruler, a king, a president safe. Through love, his administration is made secure. Ladies and gentlemen, just mark this down before you leave today. There is a moral character that God expects of an elected leader in any land at any time. There is a moral character God expects of a nation in any land at any time. You don't live up to this? You're gone. Do you understand me? Read my lips. You're gone. It's happened again and again. In the United States... Now, here's where we're going to get very specific, and so the rest of you listen in. In the United States, the two major political parties each champion a particular moral issue. See if, I'm... See if this doesn't make sense, all right? They, they champion each of the two major... a particular moral issue. Party number one prides itself in championing the rights and equalities of minorities. Racial minorities, gender minorities, sexual minorities, economic minorities, all right? We stick up for the little guy. And they're proud of it. Party number two also champions. It champions, and is quite proud of it, it champions the rights of the unborn. Before you are even born, we're defending you. Two different parties. What's sad, what's sad, is that both are right in what they affirm, and both are wrong in what they deny. You see, this party says, "Uh uh-uh, we're not that. And this party says, "Uh uh-uh, we're not that. Two truly moral issues facing the human race in the United States today, and they, they're divided. We'll take one, but not two. And God is saying, what are you thinking? Are you saying the racial divide in this country is of no concern to you just because you're concerned for the unborn? What are you thinking, God asks? You're concerned for the racial divide, and you're saying nothing for the unborn? How can you just sit here? You know what you're doing? You're voting your wallet. That's what you're doing. You're voting what will bless you, not me, God says. I don't want that economic hedging. Always looking out for numero uno. Who's looking out for these? Both issues are valuable to me. Righteousness is revealed in both. The care of the minority Tell you what, if you don't want the care of the minority, your days are limited on this planet. I'll just tell you, just shh, just between you and me. Proverbs chapter 24, God is speaking to both issues when He speaks these words. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter, the unborn, the minorities. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? (laughs) It does not he who guards your life know it. Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? I know what you know, and I know what you're doing zero, not a nothing. I like the way Eugene Peterson renders this, it's good. Rescue the perishing. Don't hesitate to step in and help. If you say, yo, that's none of my business, will that get you off the hook? Nope. Someone is watching you closely, you know. Someone not impressed with weak excuses. Hmm. The fact is, Proverbs 24 hits the bullseye with the two major moral issues that the two major political parties are championing. And it has, Proverbs 24, everything to do with with how we respond to the rights of the minority and how we respond to the rights of the unborn. You can't half-see, half-see. I'll take this half, you take that half. No. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin brings it to an end. Wow. What did Jesus say? Put his words on the screen. Inasmuch as you did this or did not do this to the least of these, you did or did not do it to me. Jesus has injected Himself into this political campaign. It's about me. Righteousness is my domain, not your political platform. We are culpable, whether we vote or not. That's the point for us. America, clearly, is at a critical moral crossroads. This land of the free, this land of the of the persecuted, this land, this home of the brave, is now erected upon a moral foundation that is crumbling before us. I tweeted last night. We are watching in this election and beyond it. We are watching a slow. We are watching a train wreck in slow motion. We know what's going to happen. November nine, we will be asked, we will be more divided than we were on November eight. You think the country's rallying around some... (laughs) Doesn't matter who. The American writer, Ellen White. Oh, she had a heart for this nation because this was the birthing place for an apocalyptic movement that would last till the return of Christ. She wrote describing this nation. The words on the screen. You have them all in your study guide. The Lord has done more for the United States than for any other country upon which the sun shines. No country more blessed. Why? Here he provided an asylum for his people where they could worship him according to the dictates of conscience. Here Christianity has progressed in its purity in the beginning. Something's happened to America. Something has changed. In fact, Ellen White identifies the secret to national greatness in the beginning. This is the apocalyptic classic Great Controversy. She's speaking about the time of the pilgrims, the uh, colonies. Put the words on the screen. Back then, the Bible was held as the foundation of faith, the source of wisdom, and the charter of liberty. Its principles were diligently taught in the home, in the school, and in the church. Please note, it does not say its principles were diligently taught by the government. No, no, no. (laughs) No. Roger Williams, Rhode Island, we're all very clear. We're, we're standing with that Baptist preacher. Keep church and state apart." We're all agreed on that. She knew that was the secret for America is the separation. Tragically, it will collapse one day. Its principles were diligently taught in the home, in the school and in the church, and its fruits fruits were manifest in thrift, intelligence, purity and temperance. Last line. It was demonstrated that the principles of the Bible are the surest safeguards of national greatness. The principles, righteousness, morality, that's what determines national greatness. Something has happened to America. The safeguards of the Bible have been long ago abandoned. Nowhere to be found. Our house is divided, and it cannot stand our morality is compromised and we are falling we have abandoned god and now we reap the whirlwind ellen white again she's see this progression she's worried now as nations forget god in like proportion they become weak morally It is sin that is ruining nations today. A disregard for God's law has brought the sure result. She will later scribble this line. National apostasy will lead to national ruin. Curtains, finish. It's over. Is it too late now for America? Time magazine just a few days ago on the screen. Whatever the outcome in November, none of this division in America will end. A Clinton victory will not usher in a return to truth and accuracy or restore American faith and institutions. If anything, a Trump loss could convince his supporters that the system is just as rigged as they have been led to believe it is. Power's box has, and I'm adding the word, already been opened, and once enough people believe something is false, it begins to sound almost true. The day is coming when a rumor will start it will be false but by the time it crosses the nation the public will believe that lie is true they will believe a delusion 2 Thessalonians they will believe a lie the day is coming time magazine says we're pandora's open is it too late for America? It is not. It is time to pray for America as we have prayed before. My friend Daniel Augsburger, Jr. sent me and a few of us a quotation in September that he found. We have it right here. Taking notes all around it. I'm not going to read the quotation to you. It's too sensitive. I gave you the reference. You look it up for yourself. Wednesday night. I want to unpack this in the quiet. No live streaming. No radio. Nothing. Just a few people who want to pray together. Wednesday night. I want to unpack this. You better wake up. We had better suck in fresh air and get ready. You thought it would never happen. It's happening. We laughed it off. I've been hearing that since I was a kid. Nothing to it, Dwight. Nothing to it. My friend, something to it. Something to it. We must pray. This is the time to pray. America can still be reached. Her heart and soul can yet be healed, but we must pray as we have never prayed before. Look at the back cover of your bulletin. Just put put that on your dormitory bulletin board. Put it on your refrigerator. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, in this place right here in the sanctuary. Let's pray. If it's just you and me there, we'll pray. We'll have a great season of prayer. I'm not going to keep you long. Pray. How can we go to this election and just wring our hands? Oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Who cares? God knows. And we need to call upon the Almighty. We need to call upon Him. Take out... Listen, listen, listen. Look. If the Maker of all things loves and wants me, and that was the one line ten times... Hope Treading took to the world. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Ten times we took that to the world. If that line is true, the maker of all things loves and wants me, then we can trust him to the max, right now. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. You call on me. I'm not going to do your work for you. How serious are you with this? Call on me. Ask me. Take out your connect card, please. Send your worship bulletin. Nice to have visitors with us today. Always glad you come. Come again next week. Front of the card, you fill out what you're comfortable with. Back of the card, my next step today, bottom right hand corner. My next step today is one I will intercede before God on behalf of my country. That's what I'll do. I will intercede. So, what's your country? Brazil. We had a lot of people from Brazil, a old tour bus full of them in uh, first service. Brazil. Argentina. China. What's your... Europe, somewhere. I will pray. I will intercede before God on behalf of my country. Number two, I will pray the prayer of, of the great Protestant reformer John Knox of Scotland. Give me Scotland or I die. Give me Scotland or I die. I pray that prayer. Give me America or I die. It's a heading for my, my Twitter account. Give me America or I die. Praying for a new generation that will rise up and claim this nation in months What it's taken years for the previous generations to not do. Number, th- number three, I hope to join you in prayers for America this Wednesday at 7 p.m. I hope you'll come. Number four, I will pray for God to open the door for hope trending to this nation. The best days for hope trending now begin. Now begin. I will pray for America to connect. 870,000, pray for more. I will pray for them to connect with hope trending. I'm going to pray with you and then uh, we're going to sing a great hymn together. Let's pray. Oh God here we are before the God of the universe whom we can implicitly and utterly trust with our private lives and our very public nation the nations of the world O God we give to you do whatever it takes we're running out of time please You do whatever it takes and we will trust you and we will tell the truth about you through every open door you provide. Have at it. Dear God, have at it now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.